Hey, I'm Rich Hunter-Rice and welcome to the Three Percenters Business Coaching Podcast, Season 2. So, good morning and a very warm welcome to the Three Percenters Business Coaching Podcast. So, Bill, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, three questions for you to get you started. Tell me, I know who you are, you obviously Bill, so tell me where you're located and tell me what you do, please. Hi, Rich, and thank you for having me on the podcast this morning, and, and I'd like to say hi to all your listeners. My name is Bill Fry. I'm a leadership coach, I'm just about an hour south of Boston, Massachusetts, uh, been living here for almost 34 years now. Long time. Where were you prior to that? Well, I was born out in Seattle, Washington, actually, and uh, worked out there uh, when I went to undergrad, uh, ended up going to work for Boeing, which sounds really cool when we're on the East Coast here. Um, but <clears throat> in Seattle at the time, about you know, go to a party, three out of every five people worked at Boeing. But uh, I worked for the seven, uh, at the 747 plant, which was an amazing facility. It was 28,000 people employed at that facility. And I, I worked there for five years and uh, ended up being a staff person for some senior management there. And I got to see a, a lot of leadership. And uh, <clears throat> I decided that probably to expand my career, I'd need a uh, MBA uh, and ended up bringing me out east in, in 1990. Wow. That's really cool. Um, I can't imagine a place with 28,000 employees. It just just blows my mind. So how did you transfer from that into what you're doing today? Well, it's it's a long story, but um, yeah, the 28,000 people, I mean, the the place was an incredible uh, city basically to itself. My very first day on the job, I went out a door that I didn't go in and I couldn't find my car. And I thought, geez, somebody stole my car on the very first day of work, but ended up uh, realizing that and got back to where I was supposed to be. Uh, but yeah, when I worked there as a staff person, I saw leadership, good and bad. Uh, it, it, the person I was working for was director of operations, and he had most of those 28,000 people working for him. So you can see the, the learning opportunities as a young man that I had. Uh, but I decided to come out east uh, on a whim, basically. I applied to Harvard Business School and got in. And then I thought, well, geez, now I have to go. So I brought my wife and stepdaughter out uh, to Boston, uh, went to school and looked at a lot of different opportunities coming out uh, of grad school, one of them going back to Boeing. Uh, but I ended up uh, connecting with the Akushna company that makes Titleist golf balls, Titleist golf clubs, Footjoy golf shoes. And I'd played a lot of golf in my life and it was kind of a connection that worked. I ended up staying with that company for 30 years, but in a, in a variety of leadership positions. So I, I started as a production manager with uh, 90 people and three supervisors. And then at that time, golf was really growing like a weed uh, in the 90s. And corporate America and corporate worldwide really had decided that golf was a great marketing tool. And the golf connection to that is putting a logo on a golf ball uh, for the golf ball part of it. And uh, that was a business that was just really growing rapidly. And it was also going through a crazy transformation because before that period, the customer was really the country club. It was very on a seasonal, predictable path. We had six-week lead times to get product to them. And then all of a sudden, this corporate demand was there, and they needed product really fast. And it was quite a change and challenge for the organization. And a decision was made that we would consolidate 
customer service all the way through packing and shipping into one center of excellence. And as a young person with the company, I had the assignment to bring that together. So from a leadership standpoint, I got the exposure to working with different organizations, basically persuading them of the interest of this and getting them to uh, yield resources, which for people that work in corporations know that's never easy to join this new organization. And we relocated it to its new own facility. And I managed that for seven years. Then I moved over to director of our golf ball manufacturing for uh, one of the ball plants. That was the biggest plant by volume. We were tapped out about 18 million dozen golf balls a year. If you think about that number, it's a big number, but that's 550 people across seven days a week, 24 hours a day. Uh, so I got a lot of experience there, but my, uh, the experience I tapped into coaching for the most part with that assignment was that imposter syndrome, because I was on really a service as aspect of the business. And I moved over to a very hard engineering with a lot of automation, a lot of material science. And all of a sudden I was leading a very big team at a lot of times, not really knowing what they were talking about. So I had to kind of use that intuition and feel to get a, to decide when I intervene, when I let it go, when I have to ask questions. And that was a great experience of that. And then at the time, I was, um, my uh, passion was about keeping U.S. Uh, manufacturing alive and keeping the manufacturing for a Christian in the U.S. But it was becoming increasingly obvious uh, as Asia got into golf that we needed a global manufacturing platform. Uh, from my perspective, as I looked around at opportunities, it was becoming increasingly obvious that to advance in operations today, it's a global world and you need some global experience. So reluctantly, I, I talked to my bosses at the time, and as it became uh, clear that we were going to put a plant somewhere else outside the U.S., I said, I wouldn't be totally opposed to having a role in a plant in Asia. They called me back a month later and said that of all the people, I expressed the strongest desire of anyone. So, and I said, well, with words like that, that's the strongest desire. But I, I uh, and I thought I'd have a role, but I ended up getting the project to head over to Thailand, uh, well, we went through a site selection process, ended up picking Thailand as a location, uh, did uh, everything from negotiating with the government to selecting a site to uh, negotiating with the people that built the plant to coordinating the installation and uh, purchase of new equipment and ultimately hiring staff and getting the plant up and running. So I didn't live over there, but I went back and forth a lot, got a lot of frequent flyer miles. Uh, but it was a great experience and to me the leadership that i learned out of that was dealing with ambiguity because i took an assignment where i had international travel to me at that time was going to canada on vacation uh, so i went to a, you know to, to make a, a project in asia which had not been something i'd ever done sorry about that. and uh, had to carve out a path where there wasn't a path before so dealing with that ambiguity was really a the challenge in that. And then I came back and was senior vice president of golf ball operations for seven years. I seemed to be in a seven year cadence through a Krishna, through my 30 years, more or less every seven years getting a new assignment. Uh, there I managed two plants in the US, a couple of uh, other support buildings in the US and the plant in Thailand. So 1800 people in total. So all the people experiences that one would experience, geez, about that. Yeah, all of a sudden. You're a busy man this morning. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, that's amazing yeah. sorry i interrupted you there you're flowing you so every seven years you're changing roles you had some phenomenal roles and the experience that you must have got out of that i mean so many questions about the thailand project i mean 
that must have been a challenge and a half for a leadership position because the cultures are so different. Obviously, I'm I'm over in northern Thailand right now. I've been here for a, uh, I've been in Thailand for a month, um, and you know, there's no commitments in Thailand from what I can see. They're so laid back. They don't like forward planning. Everything's done on on a whim. And oh yeah, tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no sort of time scales or or urgency. I mean. That could have been the most stressful project ever, or uh, you know. But then also the Thai people are amazing. So interested to hear about the biggest challenges you had around that project. Yeah, it was a regardless of what I do through my career, or you know, as we go forward to coaching, that that will be a milestone that I will always really cherish because it was an incredible experience, both with the the team that uh, I brought on from U.S. representatives, and then meeting the Thai people. Uh, when we first started, I thought culture was everything, and because I was very sensitized to the differences in culture by a couple trips over there, and we brought in consultants to t- teach the team about culture differences, and they really blew it up. And, and then, as I got over there, I thought it became more and more clear that people are people, and there's a lot of we have more in common than we than I thought we would. And and then it went full circle the other way. Uh, as I got further into the project and realized that culture is extremely important, uh, but it's the subtleties. It's how you take humor, how they perceive hierarchy, um, how, how they work as a team together, how you communicate to a non-speaking English and a non-English speaking uh, workforce. Uh, that really mattered and how, how the, the communication has to flow differently from the U.S., but it's subtle stuff in some ways, but it makes a huge difference. So that, that, that's kind of my learning path along that. But yeah, the people were great. And in, in my experiences, the Thai workforce is fantastic for manufacturing because they're, they have a very team-oriented culture. So they work together extremely well. And, you know, here in the U.S., we have an I culture and we, we're, we're all independent. We all like our way of doing things, which is a challenge in manufacturing to get everybody to standardize. So again, we're making millions of dozens of, of products to a very high specification. You need people who are really aligned to a standardized procedure and protocol and process. And, and they really bought into that there. And of course, the team here in the U.S. did a great job of documenting things. So we were able to transition methods and processes and, and uh, materials over there with uh, pretty minimal uh, crises, which is great. So I, I came back and I did, uh, did that for, uh, I was senior vice president for seven years. And I figured uh, after 30 years, it was time for a second chapter. And I had saved until it hurt and uh, was ready to take on. I, I always enjoyed seeing people grow and become leaders and become better leaders. And I felt coaching, we, you know, over my co- career, I'd hired a, a number of coaches. I never actually had a coach, which is kind of an ironic thing. But we hired a lot of coaches. I saw impact. In some cases, I saw where maybe it was a waste of money. So I, I thought that I could add some real value to the right clients. That's amazing. Oh, I love that. Okay, the, the cultural differences is very interesting, what you're saying there about, I don't just think it's a US problem about the eye culture. I think it's very much a Western society problem because I see that all over Europe and the UK as well. So I don't think you're isolated just in the States then. So my question was going to be, the type of people you're working with, we might as well hit that now. So who are the type of organizations or individuals you, you're looking to be connected with? My experience had a lot of leadership elements to it, uh, particularly people-intensive leadership. So my, you know, as I got into coaching, they, they emphasize your, you identify your niche. And, and uh, for me, 
I was targeting, I have been targeting operations in particular because there's some unique challenges. You're measured every way possible. A lot of times you have that 24-hour basis. A lot of times you have a global element and you have a lot of people to execute operations. So that that's my target. But in re- reality, I've been working with a lot of clients who just have challenges getting work done through others. So working with people and whether it's designing our organizational plans, uh, succession plans. I have a couple of clients in the sales workforce now that have been uh, excellent salesmen, but now they have a staff and having difficult conversations is something that is new to them. So just working with people, uh, leading others is kind of my uh, strength right now. It's a massive, it's a massive uh, requirement for that out there because I see leadership skills are taken very much for granted, but there's some dread, I've, I, I can put my hand on myself, I've worked for some dreadful leaders, but also some of the best possible leaders ever. And I see now in organizations I'm talking to, leadership is a real weakness in a lot of a lot of people. And people are starting to switch on to investing in the people and making sure they get the most out of it. But there's still some massive gaps out there. So I, I, I firmly believe you're never going to be quiet. And there's plenty of opportunities out there in the worldwide market for you as well with the skills you've got, because that education you've got is absolutely second to none. You know, the, the experience you've got in manufacturing and everything else is absolutely huge. So very, very interesting. Okay, next question then. So what's your biggest motivation? Well, to, to make this second chapter successful, uh, I'm just, I went through a, a number of changes at Cushnet, which were great. It was a great company to work for. Uh, now, as a coach, I, I really want to be able to spend, you know, I just turned 60. Uh, so I want to spend the next five years really uh, helping some others achieve. So I think when I, when I look back on this coaching chapter and I say, you know, like I'm working with a, a gentleman now who is uh, on the verge of being a CFO of a large company. And uh, again, a, a guy that's executed and incredibly intelligent, but a little bit new at working through a larger organization and working and managing up and these types of things. And seeing that type of person achieve their goal. Uh, and, and hopefully over five years, I will have been able to look back and say, geez, I was part of helping some leaders really reach that next level. And then the, the really neat thing about working with leaders is indirectly, you influence a lot of people. Because like you mentioned, there's a lot of bad leaders out there. And if anything makes our jobs good or bad, it's the leaders we're working for. And if I can make a few leaders uh, or help a few leaders transition and make a shift and, and grow into being even stronger leaders, I tell myself, and I, I think it's, it's a true statement, that you know, they, the people that they are going to influence and help in their careers is significant. And that's a great motivator. Absolutely. The impact's huge, I'm not going to lie. And I just have to recognize the fact you just dropped into the conversation. You've just turned 60. Fair play to you. Whatever you're doing, it's working really well. Uh, I feel like I look really old now in comparison. It's a fair play to you. Just turning 60, you don't look it in the slightest. Fair play. Um, okay. So what does a perfect day look like to you right now? Yeah. Uh, you know, it's I'm quasi-retired, so I want some free time in there, but uh, having uh, coaching clients that are engaged, that are reflective, that are kind of knowing what they're coming for coaching for in terms of what their challenges are, and and then having with them, you know, in coaching, I'm sure you've heard the aha moment, you know, the 
the breakthrough during an hour. Uh, and sometimes the, the conversations kind of meander, but then all of a sudden you hit a point where the person has a realization of how they can make the next step forward in leadership. And when you feel that aha moment come on the client, it's just really rewarding. And so, you know, my perfect day is having a, a, a couple of clients that I can really devote my attention to and have been working with them and have them make that switch over in some aspect of leadership that brings them to, to an, another level. Uh, that's a great answer and absolutely what it's all about. The, do, you, do you often find that people come to you for coaching for something, but actually what they come away with is something different because they don't actually understand what they need at the beginning? Is that something you've experienced yet? It is. Uh, that's, that's typical because as you dive into coaching, you get into feelings, you get into their fears, you get into their motivations of what brought them into that position to begin with. And that can go in different angles. And usually it, it lands with them being more authentic as a leader than because they, they usually come with a very specific tangible. You know, I have some communications that are difficult. I want to have strategy on how to deliver that type of thing. But then you, as you dive deeper, you understand what, ma- what makes it difficult for them and then what do they want in the end of it and what, where are they trying to achieve with their team and, or themselves in their career. And that can take a lot of different angles and really help them grow beyond what they came to see a coach for. Yeah, absolutely. And as you, you identified so rightly, those aha moments and what makes it all worthwhile. Quick story. I started a brand new group last night. My program is MG Momentum. And um, watching the group, as it was the first time we'd all been together. We were together for about 75 minutes. And one particular person I saw had two very distinct aha moments at different times, on completely different areas. And just watching that face change and that whole expression. And it's like, oh my God. And that's just, it makes me goosebumps talking about it now. But that's exactly what it's all about for me. And it drives me absolutely just that. Always looking for those moments and make those, those impact, which is what it's all about. So yeah, I completely resonate that. Yeah, I think whatever every coach looks for is that, because you usually get you get kind of a pause, and then you get that that look, and uh, and, and a lot of times they'll, they'll they'll pause with that's a really good question, and then they kind of start to reflect on it, and then you have that that moment where you had a little breakthrough, and that that is what coaching is all about. Yeah, no, I'm there. I completely agree with that at all. I completely agree with that. So, okay, what's the best single bit of advice you ever received? Boy, that's a tough one. There's, uh, you know, over the course of time, I've, I've worked with a lot of great leaders and uh, interacted with good humans that have given me a lot of ad- advice over. Um, what comes to mind are a couple. One is that history is an unbelievable teacher. And most of the challenge we face, uh, if we look to history of how others have handled it, uh, you can learn. Uh, and really prepare yourself for whatever you're facing or an element of it. So that that's one that comes to mind. And then I had another, uh, just in managing people, uh, and this was kind of rudimentary advice, but he said, you've got goodwill rocks and badwill rocks as you're managing people. Because like, every leader knows, uh, you know, when you first get into leadership, you're going to help everybody and everybody's going to love you. And the reality is you have tough decisions to make, tough places to take that team, and times can be challenging. So what he told me early on is you have goodwill rocks and badwill rocks and you have to build up your bank of goodwill rocks. And by fostering the relationship, uh, coming through for people when you can, building the relationships that can sustain 
the bad will rocks and they will come where you have to ask the people to do something that they don't want to do or sell them on something that's not very popular. Uh, so that's one of those things that just had kind of stuck with me about how to lead people. And, you know, when you're in that moment where you can build some Goodwill Rocks and this isn't the Goodwill Rocks were in bag, you know, his analogy was you have a Goodwill Rock bag and a Badwill Rock bag and you have to uh, balance that uh, or manage that balance between the two to be successful. That, that stood with me. They're both amazing examples. I really appreciate that. Thank you. I mean, um, yeah, history is an unbelievable teacher. I think it's just so simple, but so true. And often we don't want to, you know, we think about reinventing the wheel. We don't want to, oh, we can do it better ourselves. But actually, the chances are, same as coaching, people have been through the same stuff time and time again. Why even worry about it? Because you can, you can just look backwards and see how you can get the answer. But I think that about the goodwill rocks and badwill rocks, I love that. And that's going to stay with me forever as well. So thank you very much for sharing that. Okay, so if you won $10 million tomorrow, what would you do? $10 million. That, that Powerball was uh, was even bigger than that here recently. So that was everybody's huge, probably given that some, yeah, people have been probably giving that some thought. Uh, well, I have a very spread out family, so I'd probably be uh, coming up with, because I have a daughter on the southern part of the United States and a daughter here, so I'd probably be, and my sister and brother out in Washington still, so I'd probably be looking to get some some homes in different places that I could go visit them easily, nice. right off the top. Um, uh, so that would be on the top of the mind. Uh, from a, a charity standpoint, there are so many uh, opportunities out there to make a difference, but I'm, I'm really strong on organizations that are helping young people figure out what their plans are. And I've been doing some pro bono uh, coaching on that, which is so rewarding too, in terms of helping kids, uh, you know, that at kind of that college age or just out of college in college or just out, that's a stressful time in life. Cause you think the decisions you make are going to be so impactful on the rest of your future and helping them figure out. Uh, so uh, there's a handful of charities. I think I'd, I'd support on that and help, you know, be able to develop more time and, and spend more time with that. A couple things come to mind. And of course, there'd be a yacht somewhere in there. Oh, a yacht. Nice. Uh, great causes. I, I remember being that sort of age myself and thinking how stressful it was. And then obviously, I've got three kids who are a bit older and I've just gone through that themselves. But I always remember saying to my kids, I would never want to be in their shoes and go through that now. It was stressful in my day to go through it now. And it's only going to get harder. So, uh, full respect for you for what you're doing there. That's that's amazing work you're doing there. Okay, so let's jump forward now. And if you could be remembered for just one thing, how would you like to be remembered? Well, the first thing that comes to mind is uh, he tried his best because uh, you know, I'm one of those people that I, I think out of the box, I've always had average skills and I've, uh, whether it be sports or, or professional life or coaching, I, I try to put that extra effort into it that, that hopefully moves it from average to you know, significantly. So I think that, you know, tried your best um, is a motto of mine. Um, I, I think that the difference I've made in leaders along the way in my career is the thing I'm most proud of. And I don't know how to articulate that in a, in a, in a nice uh, sense, but, uh, or a concise sense, but I think being remembered, remembered for uh, helping lift others up to their potential absolutely or something like jumps to mind he made a difference would be amazing for the respect for everything you've done so yeah no i'll take that that's great okay so flipping back the opposite way then 
So if you could go back and give your 18-year-old self just one bit of advice, what would that advice look like? Oh, the, again, you're so young. That's when I, uh, back to coaching younger adults, uh, they, they feel like they're getting old fast and they feel like they have a lot of pressures. And I was just like that at 18. I, I forced, uh, you know, decisions uh, or stressed over decisions that I didn't have to stress over. So, you know, my uh, advice to an 18 year old would be, it's going to be okay. You know, follow your passion and, and uh, do where, where your intuition takes you. But you got tons of time to do lots of things. And great advice. Great advice from there. Wouldn't it have been amazing if you could go back and hear that advice from yourself, your future self, what a difference that would make. But that's, that's great advice. I had a teacher once. I was, I, I was a worrier. I have been a worrier. And, and I had a teacher once that said, will, will you think this will make a difference a year from now? And I, I try to go through that mindset sometimes of if something's on your mind, it's stressful. You know, a year from now, well, do you think you'll really be worrying about this? Then don't worry about it right now if, if that may be the case. That's, that's great leadership right there. Amazing. Love that. Okay. Wrapping up quickly. Don't worry. You'll be, out. You'll be free to go on with your day. So what is there a particular book that you've read the most or a book that's impacted most on your life? And if so, what, what was it? Well, the, I just read Atomic Habits and uh, geez, I'm blanking out on the author right now, but uh, it, I, it's a, I think it's one of Amazon's bestsellers, but for coaches, uh, but it really helps uh, bring in a practical way how habits shape your identity and your habits, good or bad, and your habits can bring success. And again, connecting with that, what I said earlier about, you know, I, f I felt like I've always had average skills, but I try to be disciplined and, and build in those habits that can bring about whatever skill you're trying to work on. And I, I, so I, I think that really resonated with me is that what can help a lot of people. And the other thing is starting small that emphasizes just, you know, if you're trying to get into an exercise program, get a habit of working out 10 minutes a day. And then that will build on itself, but just getting that habit, getting it started. So that, uh, I just read that here recently. So it's really resonating with me in my head right now. No, and I appreciate that. I'll make sure I add that into the show notes and I'll, uh, I can't actually remember the author myself as well, but I'll make sure it's all linked in the show notes. Cause that is, uh, I'm thinking it's Stephen Covey Jr. But um, uh, do you know what? My mind's gone blank, but I will sure. find out. Don't worry. And I'll add that to your show notes. I appreciate that. Uh, that wraps it up. It was as easy as that bill. So, if anyone, um, obviously, this 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 interview will, will resonate with loads of people from the from the audience, and you know, if people want to learn more about you, connect with you, have that conversation, learn more. What's the best way for my audience to connect with you? Well, I'm at uh, Bill at BillFry.coach, and I'm on LinkedIn under uh, Bill Fry. So. Amazing. And again, I'll add your details into the show notes as well. Uh, it's been amazing. I thank you so much for your time. It's been very, very insightful. You've got an amazing craft. So, um, you know, good luck to you out there. And yeah, as I say, I highly recommend anyone listening to this. Um, anything that Bill says resonates, then please reach out and you, are you won't be disappointed at all. And uh, yeah, you'll have a great conversation. So I uh, highly recommend you do that. But thank you for joining me today. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you for the time, Rich. This was, this was great. Thanks for joining me for this latest episode of the Three Percenters Business Coaching Podcast, and we hope you enjoyed it. So if you've got any feedback, you hunt any further information, or you know some amazing people we need to be talking to, please get in contact. Simply drop us an email to info 
at minervagrove.co.uk. Have an amazing day. Thank you.